Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. Uganda Startup, following the journey of Matt and Jessica Brown. American couple Matt and Jessica Brown are relocating their family to the remote town of Karuma, Uganda. With extensive medical training, international experience, and knowledge of multiple languages, the Brown family have developed a marketplace solution to meet a crucial need in Uganda. Clean water. Their nonprofit organization, Lilies in the Field, aims to stand up a company called Blue Mazi as a marketplace response. Access an unfiltered view of what it is like to co-labor with Christ in a marketplace enterprise. Follow the unfolding story of the Brown family into one of the most challenging regions of the world, Africa. Okay, so welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Nowlin. Today we're going to be speaking with Matt and Jessica Brown. They are the founders of the nonprofit called Lilies in the Field, and they're the stars of this podcast series that we're titling Uganda Startup. They're gearing up to leave for Africa in a few short days, so it's almost time to head out to a, uh, out to Uganda. So what are you guys feeling? Uh, you know, a little hectic in some ways, but overall, uh, we're pretty excited to finally be about to leave <laughs> about to leave road. yeah it's been a wrong, long road to this point yeah so you're packing up your house you're renting it out and uh when do you fly out does it feel weird to be moving for real like to do this now is that a how does that feel for you guys yeah i think it's it's really surreal it's something that we've like matt said like we've talked about for a really long time and then we've kind of been preparing the kids for um and so I think now finally leaving for feels real, but the fact that we're going to be living in the bush feels still feels surreal. Yeah, it's still, you know, hard to imagine full-time living in the bush. <laughs> yeah, but when you guys started this vision, you kind of knew that you would probably be remote, didn't you? I mean, or is this yeah. a new development that you're kind of realizing how it's going to look when you land? No, nah, we, we, we knew from the start we wanted to try to reach the remote areas, you know, less um, populated areas of uganda because they're they have the highest needs so so we knew and we, we spent a little bit of time over there um but it's usually been still in the bush but a little cushier than it's probably going to be for us <laughs> yeah so what does housing look like when you get there to your final destination out there yeah. uh versus i mean you've got a transition time i understand but mm -hmm. you know yeah. i heard some talk of tents potentially but that mm -hmm. evolved into a more of a house at this point well yeah it's gonna be tense um uh for who knows how long <laughs> and these are these are safari canvas tents not like yeah not like little camping when you're tents. right you know they're 200 square feet we've got two of them um but still you know um that'll be interesting <laughs> we got a family of four and figuring out you know kitchen set up and you know, bathroom setup and just the real life things. It's been an interesting logistical challenge. 
So we'll know more once we get there, but we're going to build a small house. It'll probably take, I'm guessing a year or so. So that'll be, there'll be a while of tent bush, bush tenting it or whatever you want to call that. Wow. With two small kids and a baby on the way. That's pretty impressive and challenging. <laughs> so <laughs> what is it, what does the, the region look like? I mean, do, do, does most of the people there live like this or is this a kind of an anomaly for you guys to do the tent life thing initially? Or what are the homes like in that area? Yeah. Most of them are um, mud huts mm -hmm. with thatched roofs, um, kind of what you picture on, you know, a safari Africa. Um, the cities are a little bit more developed in Uganda, but the area that we're going to be in is um, about 30,000 people. Um, mm -hmm. And most of them live in mud huts. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So as a startup venture, um, you're largely doing a lot of this on your own, but you do know a few people, right, in the area, so you have some mm -hmm. connections. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, there's a couple from our church that um, has a, a separate sort of vision, but they're going to be, we're going to be sharing land with them. Um, mm -hmm. So that'll be great to be teaming up with them, and then we have a few other contacts in, in the country. Yeah, mm-hmm. Well, that's good to hear. So you won't be going without any friends or any local connections. Yeah, yeah. we have, we spent a little bit of time there before. So we also have some Ugandan friends in the area that we're excited to reconnect with too. Oh, that's great. So in a previous interview, you know, we covered the vision and the activities to some extent of Lilies in the Field and your business startup concept. But can you give us for this episode, just a quick synopsis of what that looks like for this audience, you know, a little bit of the history and what does the vision look like when you arrive? Like, what are you, what are you trying to get uh, done in the near term? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good question. Near term. So um, landing and probably first couple months, honestly, will just be getting our family established. Um, once we get to where we're, you know, safe and have shelter and just the basic necessities of life, then we're going to continue on, um, developing our, we have a, a little piece of land in Karuma town, um, right in the dead center of town. And so, I mean, we've been actually developing that piece of land for a while now remotely through uh, some contract labor. Um, but we're going to be getting into some more um, kind of particular construction that we're going to have to do. So being on the ground for that, we'll be able to, you know, um, kind of have more hands-on with uh, the construction that's going on. So when we talk about building from the ground up, this is literally building from the ground up. When you talk about a startup, most people envision some stuff exists already, but for you guys, I mean, you're literally oh, yeah. starting from construction, living in tents, <laughs> probably powers on a generator or how are you doing even electricity? Uh, I'm actually, uh, yeah, I've been studying solar power for about a year and a half okay. and we're actually I'm building our own system um, for our house, at least not necessarily for the, the, um, the service center will probably be generator. We're not sure yet, you know, we're weighing the costs. Sure. Um, but yeah, there's no infrastructure, so <laughs> you just have to figure it out and build it. You know, it started out as a patch of sloped, uh, uh, hillside. That's where our water service center is. And so they had to level the ground first and then, uh, build the wall uh, you know we have a security wall built around it and so i mean yeah it's it's building it from literally just dirt up um, so when yeah. when people hear you know you're doing a 
kind of a startup kingdom enterprise missional enterprise in this area i don't think people really have an idea what that looks like so when you talk doing business in an area like this you know what does that look like when it's running like remind us of the name of the business and the and the goals what what's your product and service but then um what does it look like when it's operating locally yeah yeah so um in uganda we are incorporated as blue matsi limited which blue blue matsi means water in one of the main local languages there's lots of languages um so our product is going to be delivering water not just water but delivering water to people's homes um, in jerry cans actually because that's just the cheapest way we can get it to them and um, we're trying to make it um, self-sustaining meaning we want to get to the point where we don't have to rely on foreign funding to keep it operational Um, otherwise you know foreign funding dries up and people don't have water anymore so our goal is to sell the water to people at comes out to about 1.2 if i remember right 1.2 pennies uh, per five gallon jug of water so just over a penny for five gallons delivered to their homes we've come to that number as a number that we believe we can get it down to um, just through mass <laughs> delivery mass production you might say um, and we from a lot of surveys we've done in the past of the village and um, actual families, we've come to the conclusion that we think they can afford that. <laughs> they yeah. don't have very much money at all. I mean, it's hard to fathom how little they live on, but I think we're pretty sure that that if we could get it down to that price point, everyone would be on board. Like there, I mean, basically it was a resounding yes from everyone in the village. Like, yeah, they would be, they would be on board with paying that to have water, delivered to their homes, you know, um, eliminating some of the massive burdens that water collection comes with in their daily lives. Yeah. And when you talk water, uh, delivery, we're talking on, uh, motorcycles, right? Isn't that the concept? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. Yeah. Cause there's no, uh, you know, speaking of no infrastructure, there's not really any roads either more or less. It's just dirt paths. Um, you know, and, uh, you can't really drive a, a truck or a car on right. most of these roads. So, has to be a, a bush bike. Um, and so we've got two wheel ones and we're going to try and see if we can get three wheel ones going to, and they have like a little truck bed in the back. Um, so you can fit more jerry cans just depending on each, uh, each little path to each cluster of houses right. will kind of determine which method we use to deliver their water. Right. And then with the, with the business model, obviously you did your your market research, but you're hiring locally, right? So you're, you're training up and hiring local employees for all the work and the different aspects of Mm -hmm. the company. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, obviously really important. Um, not just, I mean, for so many reasons, uh, one, um, it's empowering for the local community to be involved, you know, families from the community who are working for this service that is benefiting the community in such a massively tangible way. I think that'd be really empowering. And um, also unemployment's just massive over there. So, you know, we can give the jobs we want to. And also, um, you know, if we're using local labor, we're using, we're able to keep our our, our uh, wages down and we're gonna pay, we're, we're hoping to be able to pay more than what people would normally make, but just still that allows us to keep it where it's, 
kind of within the local market value, you know, like right. people are making local salaries and then they're also, you know, be able to put back into their community without causing too much inflation that can happen if you have these massive disparities in salaries, you know, so sure. It kind of balances itself out, but, but really just excited to um, have a local workforce that we're involved with, not just with them, but we're hoping that it can be a whole community approach where we have some sort of input into the, our, even our workers, families, you know, right. Um, just kind of playing around with ideas with that. Are you guys doing anything with your medical skills while you're on site there or is, or is that kind of taking a side seat for this season? Yeah, it's kind of taking a side seat for this season. Um, we're both kind of medical. I've been the one working full time the last uh, two and a half years. And Matt's been the one staying at home with the kids. And so we just feel like um, it would be a better use of our time and resources at this point for me to stay home with the kids and to um, not just throw them to the wolves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got to adjust to tent living somehow, right? That'll require mom yeah. on hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're at a good age I'm to sure. do that. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. I think very flexible. Well. Yes. And I'm sure eventually the word will get out that, you know, we have some medical skills um, and I'm not opposed to using them in a, if they're, you know, we absolutely need to, but right. Um, I'm not planning on setting up shop. Yeah, that's good to know. Okay. So, you know, getting things lined out to this point, I mean, obviously it took a lot of personal investment, you know, and for people who are thinking about, hey, I'd like to do something like this in Africa or another part of the world, you know, can you share with people like what the what's the level of personal sacrifice and focus you have to put into pulling something like this off? Because you guys have been thinking about this for years, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, so our first trip, well, it really started before we got married. We both um, kind of had a heart for quote unquote missions and didn't really know what that looked like. Matt was a missionary kid and I spent some time in South America in college and um, we just really enjoy traveling and um, we love Jesus. So we thought, yeah, someday we'll go somewhere mm -hmm. um, to do whatever God wants us to. Um, so about six years ago no seven years ago wow. um we were kind of looking around for a, a place to go and um a trip to uganda came up and um we were both working minimum wage jobs um didn't really have a lot of extra income and couldn't really afford even flights to uganda yeah. um <laughs> god just miraculously provided them um through an, an anonymous donor yeah yeah um so our first trip to Uganda was about seven years ago and um, we just felt God pulling us there slowly. And so Matt went a couple of more times just for short trips. And then we went with our daughter when she was two and a half for six weeks. And I did some of my medical training there. Um, and then the last two and a half years um, since I've been done with school, I, we've been working full time um, for the purpose of saving money. Right. So that we can um, quit our jobs and <laughs> go yeah, go course. live, you know, in the bush without any income for a while. Which, yeah, yeah, and We've, um, made a point to pay off our house and pay off our cars and yeah, you know, school debt and um, so yeah, it, I mean, it's taken a lot of time, yeah, and patience, and hard so work, but a lot of focus, really, a lot of focus. Yeah, is yeah, yeah it's kind of a singular 
uh, point in the distance for a long right. time. So when you talk about anticipating moving in four days, it's like, yeah, wow, man, yeah, this has been a long time um, coming. <laughs> but I think it's I think it's good for people to hear this because a lot of people have a real immediate mentality about things like, hey, in a couple months, I'll just pop over to Africa and start a business or something like, but looking at, you know, what it's taken in your personal lives to, to focus on that distant point, to get to this stage and to be able to actually lean into this in a full-time way. Um, that definitely has taken focus and concentration and sacrifice that I don't think a lot of people consider in the lead up of getting some of these ideas, even if they feel they are from God. Yeah. 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 And now you guys are pregnant as well going into this, correct? So you got a little one <laughs> yeah. on the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, and how old are the uh, other kids? Yeah. So Kate is our eldest. She just turned six. And then uh, her little brother's name is Jude. And he is just a little over two and a half. Wow. What would you guys consider the to be like the biggest unknown at this point in the journey? Like, what are you facing that's really something you just are like, I don't know what's going to happen or what it's going to take. Good question. It's probably a few things. <laughs> there's but there's it, a lot of big unknowns. <laughs> yeah. What, what Jude will eat for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What he'll eat at all. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. You know, our living situation, um, just how it's going to actually look day to day is really like, Hmm. Is it going to work? Is, it gonna <laughs> like, work? is that going to work? Yeah. Are the tents really going to work? You know, that's, that's a big one. And uh, one of the, one other one is um, with our, um, with our water service. Now we're a little ways away from actually drilling the well. Um, we have a lot more infrastructure to get developed and we still have some, it's looking like we might need more funds for the well drilling than we initially had budgeted for. So we're like, okay. Hmm. Well, that'll be interesting, God. Uh, are we either going to have to come up with some more funds for that or else you're going to show us how to do it not so expensively as, yes. as the big, you know, companies are telling us we're going to need because fair enough, it's a huge, uh, it's a huge borehole that we're trying to drill, not just the borehole, but the, the pump that you need for it and the generator to supply 200,000 liters of water a day um, for this community is we just, or I, I'm, the, I'm responsible for <laughs> making yeah. these, you know, decisions I hadn't, you know, realized was going to be so massive. So kind of, those are just kind of unknowns. Honestly, there's not a lot of stress or anxiety around that because um, God has always provided before. Yeah, he provided incredibly uh, with our initial funding um, and, uh, or, you know, I know he's called us here to do right. this. And so uh, my sort of the piece that I can have is that, well, if he wants me to do it, if you want me to do it, God, you're going to uh, show me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of have some peace about that too, but nevertheless, unknown. It's like, okay, well. Yeah. So there's some, <laughs> some short-term, some midterm and some long-term unknowns. It sounds like in the midst yeah. of that. I mean, when you land in Uganda, you know, what do you, what does it look like for the first even week? Like if a family is moving to Uganda to go do something like this, what does that look like? I mean, you might have people listening to this being like, yeah, I could do that. And then they actually hear about it and they're like, well, maybe not. So <laughs> what's, what does that actually look like? Uh -huh. um, 
it's probably going to be pretty low-key the first week thinking just like allow ourselves time to adjust to the jet lag yeah. and where um we have some friends that live in the capital which is a little bit closer to where we're flying into and um so we're going to stay at their house and, yeah um, that's really really cool so you've got this I, I would almost term it like a phase one here from when you land till uh september when the baby's due so in my mind i'm wondering what do you hope in that window of time emerges because we're going to be following the story of how this is working out for you guys what it's like for your family how the how to pioneer a business in a context like this uh, accomplish, you know, your goals. So what would, you know, if it were to work according to plan, what would you hope you would see by September? Yeah. Um, so I would hope to see, um, ourselves first and foremost, feeling like we safe and secure. And then once I feel confident that we're taken care of my wife and kids are, you know, set up to succeed, um, and that's just with, I mean, just daily life, you know, cooking, cleaning, sleeping safely, being able to do homeschool, for right. Kate, you know, all this stuff. Once all that, I mean, our transportation, our vehicle over there, we have one already, but still just outfitting it and getting it ready to go. Uh, once all of that's figured out, then um, I'd love to be able to get um, some more of our um, construction going on our site. We just have some buildings to get set up on the inside of our compound. We've got this wall around it, uh, protecting the interior. Um, theft is rampant over there. Um, they just put up a gate today, a huge gate, just got some pictures, so that was exciting. But, uh, you know, the inside, start developing the interior of the structure. Um, we have to have vehicles that are gonna be delivering. So we might, I don't know, it might be possible we could even get some testing. That'd be really exciting if we could do some test runs honestly because that's going to be a big part of it seeing how fast can we deliver i mean because we're going to be like fedex just trying to boom 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 drop water off as fast as we can right the faster we go the cheaper it is and so if we could even get some test delivery runs in that would be really exciting just to get some real world examples of what this is going to look like you know plug it into our plug it into the excel sheet that <laughs> crunches all the numbers um but um yeah, yeah. I don't know. A lot of, a lot of possibilities on the list. Yeah. So you're hoping at least to have a, uh, a tried, tried and true model, at least test run some development yeah. done by that point. How far do you think you'll be on the well, the vision for the well at that point? Is that still future out from there or are you starting to drill yeah, by then? Yeah. So yeah, the well is going to be the last, um, step actually in the whole process. We, we already, um, know where water is we know it's there and the depth will have to go but um if we drilled the well now uh without staff i mean we're talking like fifty thousand dollars worth of equipment would just be stolen overnight you know so wow. we don't want to pay for security staff just to be sitting around for months yeah. watching this when we're not actually operational or paying staff just in general so because we're, we're trying to keep everything as low cost as we can um so we're going to do everything else that doesn't cost you know salaries to protect just buildings just pure non-stealable things basically yes. <laughs> and then at the very end we'll drill the well and then we'll have to hire around the clock um, security to protect it and then then you know we'll have staff that are actually running the you know systems and um that'll be a little uh a better time to get that going so that'll be the last step actually is drilling the actual borehole 
Well, this is going to be quite an adventure. Uh, it'll be exciting to be doing these regular call-in interviews with you guys as you yeah, progress right. through the good, the bad, and the unlikely, I'm calling it, during this time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we look forward to keeping this audience connected to you, to you all as a family, and providing opportunities for other mission-minded professionals to hear what it's really like to pull off what I like to call a kingdom enterprise in one of the most difficult and needy locations that you could possibly find. So this will be very inspiring and very eye-opening. And thankfully, with the technology that's available, we should be able to hear from you guys regularly and keep people updated and hear the story just as it unfolds and really get an, an inside view of what it's like and what it takes and prayerfully seeing success for you guys. And I think it'll also generate a lot of uh um, attention to your project and hopefully a lot of prayer support in the midst of all this because it sounds yeah, like you'll need it really yeah yeah, definitely. yeah very very spiritually uh you know it could, could have a lot of spiritual attacks we imagine you know so we just love that prayer support for sure yeah well god bless you guys in this journey i think our next episode is going to be pretty exciting we'll see how you handle the uh, first phase there with the jet lag and uh, getting yeah. your tents or whatever materializes into housing there. Yeah. Uh, that'll be an exciting first step in this story and in the journey. But uh, thanks you guys for the time and God bless you on the journey ahead. Thanks. Jonathan. Thanks Jonathan. Great talking to you and look forward to it next time. Thank you for listening to the Metron manager podcast presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron manager project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com. <laughs>